0: good morning today on the show we are talking the one thing that is always true and that is everything changes (laughs) that is an absolute truth for every single person on this earth that we have to deal with change so we are going to talk about that with the amazing erica jensen respire wealth management welcome back thank you yeah this is gonna be a fun one i kind of wish we could somehow bring our prior conversation into this but i have no idea how to do it so i'm just gonna let that <laughs> hang out there for all of you because you have no idea what we're talking about but it was really funny so <laughs> i'm your host amy Robinson, nutrition consultant and owner of my life delicious so get ready because we are gonna rock your health today with our thrive in five all right, so this is your five-minute health spot of the week for tips, tricks, and resources. We are live from the ACU of Texas Studios, and I am continuing our review, I guess you could say, of the Cooked documentary series. So yes, I'm still doing this from mm-hmm. the last time that you were here, because I, took a, I had to take a break to talk about Tony Bourdain, because I'm a huge fan of his. So I took a break for a week. So we are on week three, which is all about bread Mm -hmm. Yeah, literally. So this is a great conversation for us to have because basically neither of us eat bread. So yeah, (laughs) we're going to talk about that wonderful controversial... controversial, if I can talk today, subject of eating sandwiches, toast, bagels, and baguettes, and why we are having so many problems with it, why it's off of so many people's food lists, at least in the United States, not typically around the rest of the world, because it's a hugely important food around the rest of the world. So we just kinda wanna talk about how how do we get here that we have this controversy around eating a food that's been around for literally thousands of years. So. There's lots of things they go into in the movie that talk about, you know, bread and the importance of it in different cultures and how, you know, just to be honest, around the world, it's prepared very differently than it is here. In a lot of traditional cultures where the bread is part of their staple food, it's being prepared totally different. It's being milled by hand. A lot of times it's being soaked or it's being sprouted. They're doing sourdough. I was going to say it's fermented. It's fermented, exactly. And so we don't do that process anymore because in like, I don't know, the 40s or 50s, I don't remember exactly when, they decided that that was way too slow. And so as the industrial food revolution kind of took off, they were looking for faster and faster ways to make bread so you had like the quick rise yeasts, and then of course they needed more grains so they changed the shape of the wheat so we now have this kind of dwarf hybridized wheat which hybridization is not necessarily a problem but what happened is that the gluten content in the new wheat is way, way higher than it used to be. Mm-hmm. So you get this huge exposure now that we didn't have you know, 100, 150 years ago. It's totally different food. Then you tack on the issue of pesticide dosing from glyphosate which is another huge problem so and then our exposure to it it's in everything I mean it's in a bunch of processed foods of course you know the basics of the uh, bread pasta things like that but it's also in your beauty products it's in your makeup it's in shampoo it's in the um envelope glue I don't know we don't use you know kind of dating myself I know I'm kind of dating myself because I don't even think they have that anymore they do do they still have yeah yeah, yeah 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 i used to kind of like the taste of licking the envelope is that weird <laughs> yes it is <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why it was kind of like sweet or something i don't know it's really and amy bizarre. likes to eat glue i liked i was a glue eating kid when i was little <laughs> not like in large doses or anything but i did is eat.
1: elmer's uh gluten-free
0: probably not i'm i'm thinking probably not <laughs> So our exposure is huge today, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a big part of the problem. And then of course, you know, the fact that the wheat is totally, oh, (laughs) yes, oh my God, that's amazing. So those of you that are listening, um, Tegan just came in and threw me a bunch of envelopes that you can lick. And
1: she's doing it. She's actually licking it. It doesn't taste the same. Oh. It has no flavor. Oh. You should write this company. We'll have to find out on the box Who what company makes this. it is. Your glue sucks. So Amy can write them a letter.
0: <laughs> Although I may have just dosed myself with gluten, so thanks very much. Now I'm gonna like have a headache or get some jaw pain or something.
1: It's a microdose. <laughs> it's a microdose. micro-dose.
0: <laughs> so again, gluten is in a lot of weird stuff. And it, it's in things that you just wouldn't think, and that's why it's part of the problem because it's just we're so overdosed with it. So you know, I think the importance of grain around the world. I mean, there's been like, they have. What, how do I call it? It's not. It's not rallies. <laughs> it's almost like grain wars. So if it if there's not enough production in one place, and they're have to buying it from somewhere else, and then there's all these trade wars over it, and there was they've even had like wheat like, I'm trying to think of the word, and it's totally escaping my mind this morning. But it's like a wheat war, basically, you know, where these countries are having to bring it in from somewhere else because their production is so low. And then, of course, the cost goes way up, and there's this huge outcry and outrage over it. So
1: it's a big deal
0: around the world.
1: Well, bread's really important to society. It's regarded as an important part of the meal. There's the reference to breaking bread, right? When you're meeting someone and you're having a discussion, and so bread's always been a really important part of our history and and of multiple multiple cultures. Yes. So bread's huge. I
0: know. I know. I mean, we had bread on the table. No, it was like white Wonder Bread at my grandparents' house. I specifically remember it being at my grandparents' house, even though we literally lived on a wheat farm where we could make our own bread. They still had the white Wonder Bread they with didn't the have with time like the butter or the margarine sitting yeah. out. But every single meal had a, There was a stack of bread on the table with butter mm-hmm. every single meal. And so
2: you are so white Wonder Bread, by the way. <laughs> like that explains you. Head How does to toe.
0: that explain me head to
2: toe? Just white Wonder Bread.
0: <laughs> it's because I'm really pasty.
2: If people could see you dance, they'd know what I'm talking <laughs> about.
0: Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, white Wonder Bread, and then of course there was as I as we got older, it was wheat bread because you know white bread was no longer good for you, and you had to eat the wheat bread. So literally mm-hmm. all the time growing up, there was a stack of bread on the table yeah. at every single meal. Yeah, yeah, it was. I just, understand. Yeah. It was like the integral part of the meal. If there wasn't bread on the table, it's like, where's the bread? And so that's kind of no no Oops. doubt, I guess at Hitting this level. point <laughs> we're just we're just knocking stuff over we this <laughs> Envelopes so, flying. Throw so an envelope.
1: Erica's sitting the microphone. Sorry.
0: I know it's it's gonna it's gonna be that kind of day.
1: So you know, I I ate bread for years. Made my own bread. I used to keep a sourdough culture, mm-hmm. um, and then I stopped, as you know. Yeah. And so um, you have to kind of take care of it like it's a like it's a pet or a little kid. Yeah. You, you have to feed, feed it, it every
0: day. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes multiple times a day, yeah. depending on how often you're using it. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And I love bread, so even now when I go on vacation or something, I, you know, like went to Italy, I ate pizza oh, yeah. and pasta. How um, is that
0: for you? Cause I know some people do okay when they're in Europe eating bread as opposed to eating bread here.
1: I do not have the same reaction to it there that I have here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more so what I reacted to there was like the amount of sugar that I <laughs> consumed because I don't normally eat sugar. Yeah. And so what I've <laughs> noticed is that sugar specifically, Makes me inflate. Like mm. I get inflation, I yeah. get bloating, I get water retention, all that good stuff. So yeah. eating bread over there did not. Didn't really, bother you. It didn't really yeah. bother me i think it was more the sugar yeah and then last week i took my kid to camp and i volunteered there because it was out of state so i wasn't gonna yeah. like, fly there fly back
0: yeah i saw your massive bowl of eggs what were, were you making french toast we were making yeah. french
1: toast for the kids it was massive
0: I was, and it took me a minute to remember that you were at the camp doing that i'm like erica what? what are you doing <laughs> I was like, and i was like then i was thinking in my head i'm like are those quail eggs and <laughs> so they're actually really tiny
1: Making my little egg <laughs> cups to eat for the week.
0: <laughs> More like a month. It <laughs> was so many eggs.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, it was, we we were, the volunteers cooked for the kids with the camp chef every meal. Uh-huh. And so that was fun, you know, to do. And I was really impressed too, because although some things were a little bit pre, pre-prepared and the way the chef puts it is like, we're not trying to do fancy meals. We're doing feed the masses meals, right? but everything was really homemade. And so I was amazed with that. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's one of those things I think will take us into the changes conversation later. It's like just having a homemade meal, whatever it is. But yeah, I was really impressed with that. So for me, not eating bread in this country specifically has been huge for my overall health. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. there are lots of people that can eat it with no problem. So
0: Yeah, there are. And, and that's another part of the issue. And a lot of the studies that are being done kind of do show that, that, you know, there's a, certainly a segment of the people that it's not going to be a problem for. And that the segment of the people that it is a problem for is small. But when you take like a couple, couple percent even of the population, that's a pretty decent sized number. You know, a couple percent that are going to be celiac disease and then a couple percent that are going to be, you know, non-celiac gluten and intolerant mm-hmm. and so Dr. Alessio Fasano, he's one of like the big researchers for gluten because it's such a like a conundrum of a problem for us. And he basically says that gluten does cause what we call leaky gut for basically everybody. So it opens up the intestinal lining. It's also called intestinal permeability if you want to just get really technical. But leaky gut just is way easier and it sounds a little cooler. So it
1: Also sounds really gross. It
0: sounds really gross too. Usually, if I have that like sit like something sitting out about that, people are like, oh god, I don't hope I don't have that. It's so nasty and it is kind of gross. So basically. It's it's like the lining of the intestine is hot is really really tightly guarded. Um, so gluten makes it open up when it's not supposed to, and so then stuff gets through, and then you have immune response and all that stuff. I'm not going to go into all that because that would literally take an entire show. But for most people, it closes back up, mm-hmm. so it's not a problem, even though it is a little more permeable. But for then the other segment of the population, it's a huge problem and creates all of these health issues. So it's just a it's a big problem. It is a conundrum. So I'm sorry that it's an issue. I know a lot of you don't want to be that guy in the restaurant that's like, I'm gluten free. I totally feel you because I've been that person for like 10 years now. So I get it. But you just kind of need to know how we got here and why it's a potential problem. And if it is a problem for you, we're going to talk about changes here and, you know, just very, very shortly and how you can maybe make some changes that will stick and it doesn't have to be super scary. So the word change makes a lot of us run for the hills. So learn what obstacles might be keeping you from taking that leap when we come back. Welcome back, Thrive Live community. So glad to be with you this morning. And the amazing Erica Jensen is back with us, owner of Respire Wealth Management. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Yeah, so we talked about gluten in our first segment. So yeah, even if if you hate it when people say I'm gluten-free, you love it when people say I'm gluten-free, go back and listen to our segment. We're talking about the Cook documentary, all the weird places that gluten shows up, like envelopes, which-
1: (laughs) And Amy microdosed. Yeah, I kind of microdosed myself
0: on some, maybe some gluten on the envelope today so who knows I might have a headache halfway through the show. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted let you know how I'm doing I'm <laughs> doing okay. And I know so we were kind of talking about it as we went after we went into the break that you know people get really uncomfortable saying they have a problem with gluten because the industry has kind of taken over and say everything's gluten free and they all this stuff was labeled gluten free. I mean I've literally seen water labeled gluten free and so now everyone thinks it's just a dumb fad and sometimes in some instances it absolutely is. You know people are kind of using that like you said as an excuse to have an either an eating issue or you know it's an attention thing and that actually does happen i've had people like that in my office so i totally get that but for there are a, a large segment of people who it is an actual issue for yeah and so it's unfortunate that it's kind of been taken over because for the people that it is an issue then they're uncomfortable saying that they have a problem so they'll go to a restaurant and not tell them hey i need to do something gluten-free do you have like a gluten-free menu because they're embarrassed yeah. Yep. And they don't want that stigma. It's super no, unfortunate. They don't want to
1: be associated with the people that just make life difficult to make life difficult. Yeah. But then I think, too, that restaurants and people that are serving food need to realize that people that do have a gluten allergy, they're, maybe they're celiac or right. they have a gluten tolerance, that's a real condition. Yeah. And just because some other people like to make life difficult <laughs> doesn't mean that you should discount the severity right. of that problem for those people. Cause it's
0: right. very real. It's very real. I mean, we were discussing, I was discussing this with someone the other day and talking about how, I mean, s- people with like real severe issues, they can't walk into a bakery. The flour in the air will actually cause them to have a reaction. They'll get very sick. And this mm-hmm. isn't just something like, Oh, I just kind of have a headache or I don't feel good, which sucks anyway, because that's inflammation in the body. So that's not good either, mm-hmm. but they can get really really sick yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) so just an fyi everybody don't 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 diss all the gluten freeers out there because some people really need to do that yep yeah so Speaking of that, we're going to talk about change because I know even making a change from not eating gluten to or eating gluten to not eating gluten can be super overwhelming and there's lots Mm -hmm. of obstacles to just making changes in general. So we're going to talk kind of about making changes, fast changes, radical changes, slow and steady changes, you know, what are some of the pitfalls, what are some of the benefits and, you know, give you some kind of, you know, tips of how to get over those obstacles and make things really stick. So before we get into that, let's go ahead and do your discussion because we will talk about some financial stuff in this segment. So go ahead and throw that out
1: to the people so they don't, you know, try to sue you or something. Yeah. yeah, (laughs)
0: thanks.
1: (laughs) Thank you for that. Sure. So, so even if we don't get into investments it's still, you know, since I'm, I'm on here, you know, technically talking about myself and my business a little bit, I have to say, you know, I own Respire Wealth Management, which is an, uh, registered investment advisor in the state of Texas. And um, if you're listening outside the state, this is not an intention to market to you. Um, it, this is not intended to provide investment advice. If you hear something and you're wondering about it, you should definitely consult an advisor. I won't provide tax advice. Or, you know, if you've got a question, you can call me and I'll be happy to see if what we've discussed here applies to, you know, to your personal situation. But definitely what I say here is not a blanket statement.
0: Yeah, Awesome. Awesome. I really should probably start doing that, too, when it comes to talking (laughs) about nutrition. Like, hey, I'm not diagnosing you. (laughs) I'm not trying to treat you, anything like along those lines. Just basic general education. Yeah. Yeah. We're just here to educate because Mm -hmm. that's a huge part of both of our businesses is just education more than anything. And education is a huge component of making changes. The more educated you are about what it is that's going on for you or what it is that you're going to be maybe moving into, the better those changes can be for you. Yep. Yeah, so because so we kind of got the first kind of segment I want to talk about is obstacles to change. Because I that of course is one of the main reasons that people don't make changes because they're overwhelmed. It feels like it's it's too much, um, and a lot of times it can be too much for you to do yourself. And that's when you know you you need to be reaching out to someone else for help and to have yeah. that kind of support system. And that can be you know a big part of the problem is that you maybe don't feel like you have a support system to make a big change, or that maybe you have this you know big dream in mind that you want to do, but you got a lot of naysayers around you. So that. That's your obstacle.
1: Well, sometimes the obstacle is yourself, right? So absolutely. It, you know, I see this a lot with people that are perfectionists mm-hmm. or people who just decide, well, I'm gonna have a New Year's resolution yeah. to be a better person. And then they try to make all these changes all at one time and they're they're changing too much and mm-hmm. then they stress themselves out because yep. they fail at one or they fail at two. And so what I generally tell people is if you've got something really significant you want to change. the best thing you can do is be prepared for it, Mm -hmm. first of all. Yes, number one. Yeah, and second of all, only bite off what you can chew. If you take too much on, it's not sustainable. And then, um, you know, just make a list of the parts you'd like to prioritize and do those first. Yeah. like Write those little pieces first, ease into it, and don't jump into it. And um, I have a good friend who's a psychologist, and she was talking about how when they we reach the end of the day, if we haven't done everything that we wanted to do, we people who are perfectionists tend to beat themselves up over mm-hmm. it. Yes, but there's another day tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then I have another friend who I was talking to him because I have problems with beating myself up if I don't get things done, and I'll keep myself awake at mm-hmm. night. Yeah, or I'll get out of bed and do stuff because I don't want to. Right, and I was even to, worse.
0: Then you're you're killing your sleep. Yeah. yeah,
1: and so he's like, just have a notebook. And if you've got something that is bothering you late at night and you think I need to get up and do this, then write it down. And that way tomorrow, you you know, you know, I'm not going to forget this tomorrow. It's still going to be there in my notebook when I wake up the next day.
0: That is one of my favorite tips for people who have that monkey mind at night, especially if it's about stuff they have to do the next day, stuff they have to do later in the week, or maybe even later in the month. I mean, for some people, it goes really, really far out. Um, That is one of my favorite tips to give people is just have something by your bed if you have it, if it comes up and you just cannot let it go, write it down. And usually that will actually allow you to let it go for the evening. Cause like you said, it's going to be there in the morning. It's not going anywhere, yeah, no. but there's nothing you can do laying in bed. You can't do anything about it. Well,
1: there are 24 hours in a day. So let's yeah. say you pick something you want to change and that the thing you want to change requires that you build a new habit every day. If you suddenly forget to do that one day and it's, you know, 1030 at night and you're going to bed and you need the sleep, then there may be a time when you have to just acknowledge it, look at it. You know what? I forgot that today. Yeah. And I'm not going to forget it tomorrow. Right. And then go to sleep and then pick, you know, resume the next day. Don't beat yourself up over it because you can't. And and that's I think hard for a lot of people when they're stepping into change.
0: Absolutely. And like you said, the perfectionist thing where you almost get that paralysis by analysis. If every step isn't going to be perfect to start the change, to start to make the change. And that
1: goes back to preparation. Usually mm-hmm. they're just not prepared. Or um, they prepare too much. Or prepare
0: too much. Yep. The flip side I'm of it. I'm not that. ready
1: to do this. Yeah. I'm not done planning yet. Yep. And yeah. And so it,
0: and that and that one's a that's actually a really big one. I'm glad you said that because you over prepare and you're so over prepared that now you're also paralyzed. Mm -hmm. you literally you've prepared so much and you've like laid the entire thing out instead of like (laughs) step by step Uh that now you're like well I don't even know where to start because I've prepared the entire thing and so you just like well just forget it I'm just not gonna do it yeah And I see that all the time. The perfectionist thing is a huge problem on both sides, either paralysis by analysis or the over-preparation, and then you're paralyzed again. You just can't even make a step forward.
1: No. You're and just completely stuck. Or or people just fall off the deep end. They screw up once, and then they they just, they're done. They fall off the deep end. And sometimes yeah. that's just their personality. And sometimes that's because they now have an excuse to throw in the towel. Right. Well, I screwed up once. I, I can't. I can't. I failed. Right. And that's not true. Yeah. If you, if you screwed up once, then you just, resume play and yeah. just go back to it. Exactly. And a lot of times that's those those type of behavior patterns
0: have been there for a really long mm-hmm. time. So it's like a consistent behavior. You maybe have always done this your whole life. You know, you get to a point where it's like it's not quite perfect or you kind of screw it up a little bit or you just forgot to do it and then you just throw in the towel because that's easier. Change is uncomfortable most of the time. It can be exciting uncomfortable, but it's usually uncomfortable because you are kind of stepping into that unknown a little bit when you're making some kind of a larger life change. And so you know, there's that tendency to just say, oh, any little thing goes wrong, and you're just going to stop and go back to what's comfortable again. So it's like, well, if you really want change in your life, you're going to have to be willing to screw up. You're going to have to be willing to fall on your face. You're going to have to be willing to fail. And you're going to have to be willing to get back up and keep going.
1: If you don't make mistakes, you're not trying. Absolutely. Right? So We're just
0: throwing out all kinds of little are. nuggets today. We're going to make everybody so smart. <laughs> we are going to have so many tweetables and memes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was uh,
2: Rocky. Uh, I was just, uh, what was the quote? It's one of my favorites. It's uh, not about how hard you get hit. It's about uh, getting back up again or something like that. Uh
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's absolutely it. So we have another tweetable from Adam today.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no. But it's true. It's absolutely true. Also something, sorry for jumping in. No. Also something that, that, you can battle with that that help affects you negatively is when you also battle anxiety and depression. Yeah. Uh, you know, after the fifth time I was I was fired, uh, I just and I've still I've been the past couple of years I've been in this funk mm-hmm. and it sucks too when I see other people moving up right. in their career yes. and I'm kind of not and it's hard not to get in that negative mindset and it's always been hard for me to be positive.
1: Yeah. Well, so I think that that happens for a lot of people, especially in your industry, because radio is such a competitive field. I've got a good friend, my best friend actually is an actor and that's a very competitive field. And so when you're constantly going in and it's just a saturated market, it can feel like rejection all the time, right? And so I think for a lot of people, it's really hard for them to get past that. And that's really normal for people to start beating themselves up. But I don't think it's just limited to our careers. I think it's everything. I think social media plays a big role in this, oh, right? It's huge it, now, yeah. The, in making people feel inadequate, mm-hmm. making them feel like they need to make huge changes, yeah. and then they just knock themselves out trying to make these changes. That really are not sustainable. They see people with perfect bodies or perfect houses or perfect families, mm-hmm. and they never see the bad. And so it creates this feeling like, well, I'm I'm failing, right? Because, they, because they're comparing themselves. And I yeah. think it can be like what Adam was talking about with your occupation, or it can be anything in our lives yeah. where we feel inadequate and we're comparing ourselves. Yeah. Well, actually, it's, you know, it's in
2: all areas of my life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're here for you do you need a hug you have an adorable sidekick back there
0: (laughs) <laughs> we'll join your petty party. We're here. <laughs> but it's absolutely true. And a lot of times when you are having things happen time and time and time mm-hmm. again, and you then you start going down the road of depression, and then you have the anxiety about getting going again because you're like, am I going to be able to do this? Am I, you know, can I really make this happen? Can I step back into this again? And what happens if I get shot back down? Or am I going to go back down in the toilet? And it happens over and over again. People who come to see me who have done every diet in the book, and they have failed every single time. and. There's, and they come in and sit down and they're super wary about trying something again. And is it going to work this time? And I just, I don't know if I can do this again. I think I'm just going to give up. It happens over and over and over yeah. again. Yeah. It's re- it's, it's really just a difficult thing. And part of it is now to the the whole comparison thing where you're seeing these people doing all the stuff and they're so successful or people tried this diet or that diet and they had so much success over it, but then you try it and it totally sucks and you go the opposite direction. You know, it's, it's really, really frustrating. It's, And so, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, why can some people seemingly take change in stride and others completely melt down with the slightest variation in life? Find out next. Welcome back, Thrive Life community. If you are just tuning in, I have Erica Jensen back with me this morning and we are talking the one thing that is true for all of us and that is that everything changes.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: everything changes. changes. It just, it's there's nothing you can do about it. So it's kind of one of the, when we were kind of talking about going into break, you know, are you one of those people who can kind of go with the ebb and flow or are you one of those people if like the slightest little thing happens and you're just completely cratered and have a hard time getting out about out of it. And that's true for a lot of people, especially because the world moves so fast now that you kind of, I think people kind of feel like they're left behind if everything isn't perfect yeah yeah absolutely. yeah. I mean, it's it's i I get it. It's really difficult. and we were talking in the break how you know people have lives. <laughs> you yeah. know they have all this stuff going on, and you were giving some really great examples about you know what do you do when you've got kids and you've got dogs and you've got you know you know all this stuff going on in your house and your husband's going back to school and you've got a full-time job and you're
1: a business owner, you know how yeah how, how do you navigate that? So this is my life right now. My husband works full time. Um, he is going back to get his MBA. I have a job, you know, a a business that I run, which is more than a full-time job. We have a kid, we've got dogs, we got life. Um, and so right now my uh, parts of my house look like a bomb went off and I probably would not have people in those parts of the house. Those are like, yeah,
0: I'm just going to close, I'm going to throw everything possible into this room and close the door and yeah. I'm just like, oh, we're doing some construction in there. Yeah, except I good. have like
1: five rooms like yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> no, I
0: completely understand that. So we have this like co- total open floor plan house. Mm-hmm. So if I, we get like piles on tables. So like this table will be piled up with I stuff. Know. Then they'll, this table will be piled up with, and and there's nowhere to go to hide from it. Cause you, everywhere you turn around and like full circle, you can see the entire house. So there's no hiding from it. It's just like, well, there's nothing I can do about that today. And that just does not seem like a good place to put my energy. So it is is what it is. I
1: know. There are suitcases for five days now in my dining room, stuff slowly getting unpacked onto the dining room table, (laughs) stuff slowly getting washed in the laundry room, right? And that's going to be that way for, you know, probably till the end of the weekend. And then I will have been, you know, home for a week, but (laughs) that's... just what time allows and I can't let that eat me. And so, yeah, my, like I mentioned earlier, my house is not Instagram ready and I'm cool with that. Yeah. Mine either. There's just literally stuff everywhere right now. And it's, it is driving me crazy a little
0: bit, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I have all these other things going on that do feel a bit more important than making sure my house is spotless. So I'm just going to let that slide. Yeah. Yeah. And that's completely okay. And mm-hmm. I, But I get how people get to the point where, you know, you're just, you can't dig yourself out of it. You know, it's like, what do you do? All of this stuff has happened. And so part of it is a lot of people think that they have to get everything done right now Mm -mm. so kind of what we were discussing you know kind of in the very beginning if you know this fast and rapid change like everything has to happen immediately or it's not good enough but really for most people that slow and steady change really does win the race i mean it just is an absolutely true statement
1: we are not going to become perfect people overnight it's just not why would you want to be perfect no and even a lot of people you know i like i joke about martha stewart (laughs) Cause I love, I love Martha, but it, and it seems like she's accomplishing all this stuff cause she has horses and dogs and she gardens and she, um, has her cooking show and she's always traveling and she's always making things and the grandkids are coming over. Right. And I have a vegetable garden and I have dogs, and I have, but my house never looks like hers, but it's right. important to remember she has a full-time staff to help her exactly. with all of these things. Yes. Right. And so I don't have that. <laughs> Neither do I. No. Like
0: my dog, she's she does try to kind of help sometimes. Mostly it's just getting underfoot and in the way. Yeah. So I mean she means well. Mine just reminds me if I accidentally leave food on the counter. Oh. <laughs> she reminds me if I leave if there's like drops on the floor. She's like the hunter, like walking around, you know, looking for the scraps. It's you know Mop. It's, yeah. a mop. it's a living, a living mop. Exactly. So that's our staff. So we have dogs that help us. But I know, I know from the entrepreneur, exp, you know, perspective and owning a small business and you see these other small business owners that have these huge, you know, followings and these huge businesses. And you're like, Oh my God. And the, all the stuff they're doing. And I get overwhelmed just thinking, I'm like, how do they get all of that done? How? I'm like, because they have a staff. They are not actually doing all of that themselves. They have someone who's doing their social media. They have someone who's helping them create content for their website and their blog. They have someone who's helping them prepare food. All of the, they have a staff. They are not doing this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people that you see, even if they have like big Instagram followings, that's kind of their business they have other people helping them. They are
1: not doing that themselves. Yeah, it's true. They pay people to help them with marketing and they're getting all that done by by outsourcing it. And so it's really, really, I think important for people just to remember you're human and it's not <laughs> gonna become perfect overnight. And you can't beat yourself up over it you just have to take it in stride um there are several things that like always stick with me right that people tell me and i, I love to learn and i love to be open to advice i think that's really really important. really important and so there was an advisor that i worked with when i worked at merrill and he said something to me one time he said the only thing that you can control are your own actions You can't control the actions of people around you and you can't control these outside factors. The only thing you can do is control your own actions. So you can try to be prepared for them or you can try to um, work around them or be flexible Mm -hmm. with them. But you can't control all those other things. So if they happen, you don't have any choice but to roll with the punches or you're going to get stressed out. Yeah. Um, Another person said if you're anticipating a future outcome and that future outcome is an unknown it's really easy to get anxiety because you, you assume that the worst is going to happen. Yeah. And there have been times where, you know, Adam was talking about anxiety on the break. There have been times where I felt such significant anxiety because so many things were happening at one time. Mm -hmm. I felt physically ill. Yeah. You know, yes. Like you can make yourself sick. Yes. And so that really happens. It manifests itself and it will make you sick. And then, and then another thing that sticks with me that someone said one time is if you're, if if something happens, you do something, and you're reflecting on it. If you look back on it and you learn from it, look back on it a couple of times and learn from it. That's one thing. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. But if you keep letting it eat at you, right? Because it happened, then you're beating yourself up. Yeah. And so that creates stress too. So when you're making changes, it's important to be mindful of the fact that you're human you can't control outcomes yeah, and that's just the way it is. And a lot of times we get anxiety because we anticipate a bad outcome and then it ends up being fine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We get very overwhelmed, especially when you
0: are kind of stepping into the unknown of what's going to happen. And so it, and it can be really difficult to focus on that unknown and be positive about it and say, no, this is the outcome I'm expecting. I'm, I'm going to move away from, you know, the thoughts of the worst case scenario and towards what is the best thing that can come out, and focus on that, so it reduces your stress level. That can be really, really overwhelming. Yeah. And again, kind of going back to writing things down. If there's an outcome that you really want, write it down. And whenever those negative thoughts come into you, you go back and look at what you wrote down as the positive outcome. So it's a reminder. Again, so you're kind of not you're doing it yourself, but you're not doing it yourself because you've created a reminder for yourself. Yeah. Of you know how to make a how to get your mind back off of the negative and into the positive, and it can be really challenging.
1: Well, and so even for people that let's say they're in a situation and they're surviving that situation they don't have any unknowns they know how this environment is operating Mm -hmm. and they're very comfortable in that zone so even if they made changes that would improve their situation they would they would be facing the unknown and so that prevents them from making that positive change because they're like "I, I can I know I can sustain like this and I don't have any need to and so then they don't have any any reason to move forward. Yes, I actually put this saying on my Instagram yesterday cuz I was like oh my god that's so true and it's like
0: kind of killing me right now. So it's like what we are capable of is remarkable and what we will attempt is constrained only by our beliefs. Yeah. Yeah, and I put it out there literally to advertise for the show today uh-huh. cuz I'm like that's exactly it. Like you know, we we are capable of so much. We get really distracted by all the things that are happening around us and we are over reactionary to the things that are happening instead of responding to the things that are happening mm-hmm. cuz like we said Things are going to happen. Things are going to come up and change. Even if it is for the better, we can start getting freaked out about it, especially if there's kind of been a pattern of, you know, that negative thoughts and thinking the worst case scenario. So even though something that's coming up is actually going to be really good and a really good positive change, we still go into it with that negative mindset of it can't really be that good. It's going to, something's going to crater. Something's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that's belief systems that you may have had for a really long time and changing those takes time. Well, also
1: part of them are survival instincts yes. as well. And they're built into us and they're they're innate in us. They just exist. And, and it comes from not wanting to open ourselves up to vulnerability. And so it's important for us, and I, I flog this all the time, that there's so much of us that is susceptible to this animal outlook. Yeah. And that, sur- that survival mode. And that's one of those things is not adapting change or not stepping into something because you know what's comfortable and you don't have a long range reward view. You have a short term reward view. Right. And, and so there's what fight, flight, or play dead. Mm -hmm. And so it's really easy just to, if you perceive that something is, is a risk, then it's really easy for people just to stay where they are. Yeah. Yeah exactly and it's it's it's
0: hard because i see people coming into my office like this all the time where you know it's like if they would make these changes and and again we could be doing it really slowly or really you know fast depending on the person some people can handle that a little bit more rapid change than others it's like they if they can get past that feeling and that anxiety and like if you will just make these changes I know it's scary it's not going to be perfect but if you'll just keep your eye kind of on the why and why you're doing this the outcome is going to be so much more than what you think right now yeah absolutely it absolutely is and it's almost it's almost true I would say it's true almost a hundred percent of the time.
1: Yeah. Well, I think like you and your practice in my practice, and it's funny how many similarities we know, find between really nutrition is. and investing Yeah, because they are based on the person that we're, that we're, we're working with yeah. or that we're treating or that we're helping along or we're investing for. It comes down to their personal situation. So people will contact me. They'll say, well, how did this perform? I'm interested in how your, you know, your your investment models are performing. Well, I, I don't know because I don't know which model is right for you. Right. So let's have that discussion first. And so when I'm meeting with people just like you, if I'm gonna be engaging in a like an ongoing planning process, and I don't do that with all my clients, if they request it, then the first thing I do is I try to assess how much they can break off mm-hmm. at a time right so i don't want them to take on all these changes and then not be able to do them yes because they're just going to
0: feel defeated and they're going to want to give up
1: yep yeah if and you they're going to have a bad them,
0: experience they're going to have a bad experience and they're going to tell everybody else not to work with erica jensen mm-hmm. because <laughs> she overwhelmed them and they couldn't stick to it and they were you know tech Quote unquote, you know, failing at it. And that's unfortunate. This lady is crazy. So when we come back, I'm going to talk about why I think it's time to create some radical change and what that means. Welcome back, Thrive Life community. Glad to be with you as always this morning because we are talking about. The great unknown and that is change because it happens for all of us so we've had some really good conversations just really kind of bantering about change and our own experiences with us and when we went into break we had this really good conversation about something that you're doing with a current client and I think it's really perfect to kind of explain that process and why you're kind of doing what you're mm-hmm. doing with her so tell me about that because that was
1: really good okay thank you so so some of my clients come to me and they want investment management and I've got to assess certain things for them so they get a little bit of planning as much as kind of as much as I have to do as much as they want but then there are other clients that come to me where planning is a really big part of what they want Mm -hmm. and maybe they're trying to just get their ducks in a row maybe they're trying to alleviate debt maybe they're trying to save for retirement maybe they're trying to do all the things maybe they don't budget don't save have debt and they don't have retirement savings More often than not, people want to do all the things. Yeah, And so when I meet with them and I assess their situation and I tell them, okay, well, I think this is going to take eight months or this is going to take 12 months or this is going to take 14 months. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's kind of jaw dropping for them because they're like, <laughs> wait a second, I have to work with you for this long to get that done. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, here's why, right? we have got to do all these things. We need to track the goals. And I know that there are things you're not going to be able to do all at one time. And so once I put together the plan for them and I show them what we're going to do step-by-step, step, it usually makes it a little more palatable. Mm-hmm. So I've got, for example, a client that I met with this week where, you know, every month I give her a few assignments. And um, when we come back and we look at it, there's, you know, something that's not done. and and she's has multiple kids. She's some of them are, you know, newly adult kids. The rest of them are teenagers, you know, so her life, Oh yeah, crazy. she's busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She works. Her husband works. So for her, I know that at the end of the month, there's going to be something that's not done. And that's not a problem right. as long as we're accomplishing something. And so every month we're able to check off a few things and there are a few things that are left undone and, and that's okay. So if I say you've got a lot of small expenses where you're just kind of spending like, and this is a big thing that I see with all my clients, um, is stuff that costs under $10. So you'll hear me just like, I'm totally killing that, of one that all the time. Yes. And so I can usually tell because their statement will show like gas station purchases two on the same day. Mm-hmm. And I know that one was gas and the other one was them walking into the gas station. Yeah. So I might work with them on something like build in your snacks and your drinks to your grocery shopping list and put a cooler in your car and make it That's part of your daily yeah. routine. Mm-hmm. Let's work on this routine every day. Stick your ice packs in your cooler and fill it with drinks and snacks and get bag of nuts, chips, whatever you need, mm-hmm. you know, and just have it with you because then you're not going in and paying right two bucks or dollar right. 75 for a 20 ounce. So I work with the clients on these little things one at a time. And if they can't build in those habits that help them to reduce what they're spending, then we have to revisit it. Right? Or we if, yes. if it goes on for too many months, then we have to say, okay, why is this mm-hmm. a problem? Or why have we had this task for so many months? Exactly. That what
0: what are the obstacles? You know that we're not we're not addressing. Yeah. But yes. if it, if it, if
1: we miss it the first month, it's not a big deal. No big yeah. deal. It's new. Yeah. It's a new change. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's it's that's why I think it's important when people are making changes, plan. Get help if you need help. Don't try to go it along. And then only bite of what you can chew. And if you don't get something done, don't beat yourself up over it. Right. But eventually, if it's not happening, revisit it and be introspective and figure out why have why? I not done this mm-hmm. yet? And so with this client this week, we're not there yet. It's, you know, just one month she's missed this task. And so if next month and the change isn't made, then we'll say, what's going on? Right. Yes, no, I
0: completely understand. I go through the same thing with clients. It's like, you know, sometimes they'll see me weekly and sometimes it goes to every month or, you know, just kind of whatever the plan that we've set up. And so when they come back in, we discuss what the goals were for that one week or two weeks or whatever it is. And if there are things that aren't done, it's again, it's not a big deal. It's like, this is new. So we're just going to continue with this on the same path until we get this down. Once we get it down, then we can move on. And sometimes when they kind of know, hey, if I get this down and really implement this, I I get to move into the next phase of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be a little bit of a motivation for them. Like, Oh, there's a process to this. So when I accomplish what we've set out to do, and again, it's usually, it's usually pretty small steps for most people just so that it's not so overwhelming, yeah. you know, when you're making those kind of changes, but it is a little bit of a motivation that I get to move on, you know, as soon as I'm able to accomplish this task and bring it in and make it and start making it a habit so it's just
1: a normal part of the day. Yeah, yeah. And so the other thing that I that I do with the habits and like you said seeing the next step is kind of like a carrot. Yeah. I also build in rewards. So when we reach certain goals then maybe it's date night or maybe it's a long weekend away or and so I'm always asking them are you rewarding yourself? Mm-hmm. You That's have huge. this and you've got yeah. this savings goal why don't you take this percentage of it and go mm-hmm. do this? You know? And yeah. so we work out those rewards and figure out how we're going to make each, make a little celebration for yeah. each step that we've hit along the way. I love that. As we That's hit such a great goalposts. idea.
0: Because it is important to reward yourself when you do something good and not just like, Oh, good job keep And then move on like really acknowledge the fact, especially if it was kind of a big deal when it, especially one of those big ones that like, finally did it you know you got this done let's celebrate it and then also building in the rewards for the small things because sometimes
1: the small things are huge well in retrospect the reason people don't make big financial changes to begin with is because they don't want to make financial sacrifices and so if suddenly they're having (laughs) to cut back completely and life's not fun anymore right then that's not going to be a sustainable change yes so we have to work out intervals where they're getting to enjoy their hard-earned money otherwise why are they going to work yeah so other if we don't do that they're gonna fail so that's worked in and so so mistakes are acceptable not getting things done on time is acceptable as long as we resume play Mm -hmm. And rewards are really, really important.
0: Yes, they're super important. They can be extremely, extremely helpful for keeping you on track. And that it's okay to reward yourself. In fact, it's more than okay. It's actually a necessity. It's really kind of a non-negotiable. You have to reward Mm -hmm. yourself for doing the hard work. And it should be something that you can celebrate and be excited about and really pat yourself on the back. And that's gonna build your confidence going into the next thing that you're doing. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. So when I kind of talk about radical change, a lot of times, when I say those words, people are thinking that it's this big, huge thing. Like you're going to go from, you know, maybe working for someone to now owning your own business, which is a big thing. And that is certainly a radical change, but radical change can also be really small. So when I talk about something that's a radical change, it's really more about I want to change my life in this area, and I want to change it for the better. That's a radical change because Mm -hmm. you're saying, you know what? I have control. I can create this to happen. I might need someone to help guide me, but I'm going to be the creator of my life as opposed to being the victim of my life. And I have absolutely been there where it's like, it's everyone else's fault, and all this stuff is holding me back, and these people are holding me down, and I got fired from a job once. I'm like, well, those people are the jerks. And you know, I spent like a month crying about it. And then I had to like, you know, pull myself up by the bootstraps and say, okay, yeah, that did suck and it hurt really bad, but you can either stay where you are or you can do something radical. And my radical was just that I'm going to do something different then. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna stay in the same place I am. And that's a radical change. So it's it doesn't matter how big or small it is. If you wanna make a change for your life for the better and take that step forward, even if it's a super tiny little baby step, that is a radical change. So you
1: are a radical change maker every yeah. time you decide to do something for yourself. Moving, having a baby, retiring, um, getting married, switching jobs, switching careers—all of these things are major radical changes, and they all disrupt our lives. Yeah. Um, whether for the negative or for the positive, mm-hmm. and um, and you, you're the only things that you can do are just control your own choices, your own actions and be as prepared as you can be without right without giving yourself tremendous anxiety. Exactly. So you are
0: the creators of your life and it's you're going to get knocked down sometimes, you're going to fail sometimes, but you can get back up. You know, reach out for help if it's financial, you know, definitely reach out to Erica. If it's nutritional, you can reach out to me. You know, we'll either, you know, say yeah, we can help you or we're going to refer you out to somebody else who can you who can help you make those radical changes cuz we want you to be the change maker. Erica, thank you so much for joining thank me. You. This was a great conversation as always. Thank you all for tuning in. I will see you next week.